theme music, please. Aloha, I'm Mick Calber. And I'm Bruce Amorty. And together, we're on Hawaiian, Hawaiian Time. time. <laughs> <laughs> on Hawaiian Time is a podcast where Bruce and I, along with my trophy wife, Anne, and our illustrious producer, Tim, talk story about life unfiltered here on the Big Island. On this episode of the podcast, we've got a special guest joining us. But before we bring him on, you may or may not know that I'm a volcanographer. That's my own word I made up. That means volcano videographer. And Bruce is a photojournalist whose main subject is, guess what, lava. But Bruce, I heard a rumor lately that you're sneaking up to shoot something else, something that actually isn't red, but green. Is that the Incredible Hulk, Bruce? Or maybe Australia Grouch? <laughs> what is that, Bruce? <laughs> no, it's, um, it's Pakalolo. Pakalolo is Hawaiian for cannabis. And um, for a long time, since I was a kid, I've always had this um, passion for uh, cannabis, the cannabis plant. It's a beautiful plant, so I love shooting it. And... Um, you know, I, I needed to find a source. <laughs> so you're so you're a pothead, Bruce? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not a pothead. I just love shooting beautiful things and things that are supposed to be off limits to me, right? As a kid, of course, marijuana was illegal here in Hawaii. And um, when somebody tells me you can't do something, well, that's the thing I want to do, right? Just like lava. <laughs> I'd like so. to know, what is the definition of pakalolo? Because being a mainlander, I've never heard that term before. I've heard a lot of terms for marijuana, but not pakalolo. Well, paka is smoke, and lolo means crazy. Ah. So, yeah, crazy smoke. Mm-hmm. Or smoke that makes you crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway... In my search for cannabis to shoot, I came across uh, Dylan Shropshire, the founder of Big Island Grown. And uh, he runs a um, uh, medical cannabis growing facility and a, uh, a chain of um, dispensaries across uh, the Big Island. And uh, he, he's got some incredible specimens um, growing in his uh, facility out in Pepekeo. And uh, anyway, Dylan's here joining us on the podcast. Hey, Dylan, thanks for joining us. How's it, Bruce? It's great to see Dylan. Dylan and his family originally lived next door to us in Hilo, so we were familiar with his family's uh, background of moving here and their uh, Aloha Green, uh, the company that I think his father started. So, Dylan, can you tell us a little bit about your backstory, how uh, things got started for you, and then, obviously, how you got together with Bruce? So, my background is I'm a fifth-generation farmer, and uh, my family had an agricultural business in Alaska where we did interior scaping and interior plants. Um, so, we did uh, foliage that you would see in a, you know, a mall or an office building. Uh, and we do different type of landscaping, but they call it interior scaping because you're basically landscaping inside of a building. And my dad consistently noticed that the plants that he would go into these buildings, and he noticed that the plants that would survive the longest were all coming from Hawaii and specifically the Big Island and the east part of the east side of the Big Island. And he also started to realize that he was being put on a wait list because the demand for the plants kept exceeding. Um, so he decided to take a shot at potentially growing some over here. And we bought a farm in the late 90s and started growing our own tropical foliage to send back to Alaska. And uh, my dad's business in Alaska was called The Green Connection, which, is, uh, which would have been a great dispensary name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we started growing plants here. Uh, in the late 90s, and eventually we decided to make the move. Um, we were tired of the cold weather, and and so I've been around plants all my life, um, but now I'm around uh, a much different type of plant than an office plant. And uh, <laughs> the story on how that happened is really just growing up here on the Big Island, you know, going to high school and just being around it, um, um, seeing 
we, you know, we're an island of, of, of amazing uh, cannabis home growers. And so it's a part of our culture. So Dylan, how did you come about uh, creating Big Island Grown? Uh, I was patiently watching what was happening on the mainland, specifically Colorado at that point, and noticing that the laws were starting to lift. And so as Hawaii was you know, looking to evolve their medical cannabis program, which was one of the first medical cannabis programs in the country, actually. Um, they started looking at a, a dispensary law, and that came into play in 2015. And I decided to take a shot at it. Um, there was some pretty uh, strict requirements, pretty difficult uh, qualifications to apply. Uh, such as having 1.2 million in cash in an escrow account or in a bank account, liquid, and also showing uh, financial, um, showing financial strength that c- would could prove that you could basically start up this license. Um, in Hawaii, uh, the license structure is a little different than in Oregon and in California and these other states because we are 100% vertical. And so when they came out with this license structure, they have these very strict requirements because there's only going to be eight licenses awarded, two on the Big Island and uh, two to three on other islands, and Kauai has one. So vertical, vertical means you would have to grow the product and then um, market the product? Yeah, so vertical license structure means, and it's closed vertical, which essentially means that we have to grow manufacture and dispense um, 100% uh, to our patients. We cannot buy from another grower and we cannot sell to another dispensary and we cannot transfer to other dispensary licenses. So it is closed vertical and we are literally, we like to say farm to patient. So we provide Mm. the entire experience all the way through, which has its pros and cons. Um, Pros being quality control and getting a consistent mm-hmm. medicine that a patient can count on every time they come to our store. There's not, you know, we're not, we're not required to, we're not buying from another source. So we have complete quality control over that product. It was really interesting to watch the unfolding of how these licenses were going to be handed out. And it's interesting, the, the vertical approach. So how does one uh, get in touch if, if someone feels they needed to go with medical marijuana? What is the process that one would have to do? Uh, to become a patient? Yes. Uh, there's certifying physicians that have gotten their credentials or qualifications to allow for certification of recommendation of medical cannabis from the Department of Health. And we have a link on our website as well as you can Google different certifying physicians around the island. Um, there's certified physicians on every single island. You go in for an exam. There's a, a set of pre-qualifying conditions. You have to meet one of those qualifying conditions. And then you're given a recommendation for a cannabis card. That goes to the Department of Health, and then they give you your card in the mail. Or actually, these days, digitally. So when you go in to pick up your prescription, are you given you know, joints? Are you given a packet of X amount weight-wise? Are you, I mean, do you have to proportion the, I mean, it's an interesting prescription to have. So uh, it's, it's less like a prescription and more like a recommendation. Mm-hmm. So in uh, medical terms, you know, you would get a uh, prescription from a doctor. It'd be very set in stone. And then you'd go pick that up, exactly what it is. The pharmacist would basically prepare that medication for you. And there's really no very varying from that. With cannabis, the, 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 the certifying physicians are giving a recommendation for cannabis, medical cannabis use. So when you come to our dispensary, there's no you know, preset type of medicine that you're going to be getting. And every patient is unique in what uh, different medical um, issues they're dealing with. And so we have extensive training with our patient attendants uh, to really ask the right questions of patients so that we can basically get them the right medication um, and get them the best results. Um, the only requirement from a uh, prescription or recommendation standpoint is that there's an allotment of four ounces every two weeks or eight ounces a month. And that's basically the only restriction 
um, other than the, some products that are restricted, we're restricted from selling, such as edibles. Wow, that sounds um, like a lot of stuff. It's it? a lot of stuff, but you know, if you have uh, a terminal type of cancer, there's certain conditions that require a very large amount of cannabinoids um, and basically potency to get the effects um, that you're looking for for uh, medical results. So, you know, someone with epilepsy or someone that's terminal with cancer is going through chemo, they're going to need, you know, they're not looking to go to a dispensary to get flour and try all these different flavors out. They're looking to go to get an extract, more something like, uh, you know, alcohol or ethanol extract that is extremely potent and is not enjoyable. You know, it's not an enjoyable experience. It's extremely potent. Um, if one of us was to take it, you know, you'd be on the ground. It takes a while to build up to that level of tolerance. So you have to titrate up your dose and then get to the level of tolerance. And if you're, you know, one of these type of patients, that four ounces, if you have that really potent oil, that's, you know, it's just enough to cover what they need. In some cases, not enough, unfortunately. So who, wow. who handles the potency? Are you on site there able to go in and um, uh, test and know the potency of, your, of the pot? Is that all contained within you? Yeah, great question. Um, in Hawaii, um, as with most states, uh, there's independent third-party testing requirements. We are not able to have do any of the tests. We do our own tests for potency. We do our own tests for microbials and our own interior uh, interior testing or what's the right word? Internal testing. Uh, so we do our own internal testing. Um, but whenever we need to pass something to be able to sell it in the store to a patient, it has to go to a third party lab, and they put it through um, different tests from heavy metals to pesticides to potency to microbial count. Um, there's several categories that they're basically doing this analytical testing on. And then once they approve it, um, based upon a pretty strict guideline for um, the medical grade of the product, especially when it comes to microbial count, such as like yeast and mold and things like that, which if you were to go to a supermarket and swab a apple, you know, it's going to have a crazy amount of yeast and mold. But for cannabis... You know, we're put on a very high pedestal because we're selling medicine. And so after that very strict independent lab test, then we can sell it in the store. So one of my favorite bumper stickers is, this is not your mother's marijuana. I mean, what is in comparison <laughs> to what we partaked in or I used to partake in? How strong or what is the components of the pot now? You know, it's interesting. I, I was in high times. Um, I think about eight months ago, uh, that was a dream, by the way, to actually be featured in the magazine. So got to uh, cross that one off the list. That was cool. Um, but I saw this High Times cover. I think it was from like the 80s of the cannabis they were selling. And uh, man, if you, if you tried to sell that right now, so you'd be laughed out of the room, you know? So I think, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where just like anything, with enough focus and intelligence and effort on doing something, you're going to basically evolve uh, something to its highest level of highest level of potential. And that's the same with cannabis, you know, um, through crossbreeding and hybridization and and consistently evolving the way plant the plant is being grown. We have seen a dramatic uh, um, change in the THC content. Um, unfortunately, on the other side of that, we bred for THC and we forgot about some of these other minor cannabinoids like CBD and CBG and THCV and all these other things that are also present in the cannabis plant and have other medicinal effects. But we are now just starting to rebreed for these other minor cannabinoids such as CBD, which you see everywhere now. And so I think with the next 10 years, that's where really cannabis is going to go. It's going to go to actually cultivating for these other minor cannabinoids. So do you think it's probably twice as strong, three times, 10 times as strong? I'd say probably close to 10, you know, uh, or somewhere around wow. there. I mean, that would be my guess. Thanks for the warning. <laughs> <laughs> 10 plus, probably. Okay, well, this, this is probably a good time to mention that in Hawaii... 
it's only that medical marijuana that's legal, right? Yes, it's a we're a medical only state. How long is it going to take until we're we're um, we're recreational also? Uh, it's the golden question, and uh, it couldn't come soon enough. That's my personal opinion about Why it. Why do you say that, Dylan? Well, I think we're in a uh, t- to put it. Bluntly, I think we're in a very bad position financially with this coronavirus situation. And we're digging our, our, our hole deeper and deeper every day with this deficit as a state. And it's such a great oppor- opportunity for employment. I mean, how many people are out of jobs right now? I mean, the last report I saw in Hawaii was 37% in early March. That thing's got to be above 50 by now. So it's a way for, you know, employment opportunity, tax revenue, um, and that tax revenue can go to things like they're doing in Colorado, supporting the public health care system, you know, supporting uh, uh, anti-drug reform or supporting things that are focused on addiction and addiction therapy and things like that. And so there's a lot of good things that that tax money could go towards. And right now, we're not collecting it. And, you know, we're the last state on the western side of the United States. We're the last one to go recreational at this point. Um, and it's, it's kind of a crazy thought that we'd be last considering that we were one of the first in, in the medical. Yeah. I mean, we... We passed the medical first medical law in the late 90s, and we've had a medical program here, a thriving home grower community here on the Big Island for a very long time. And just to be just to play devil's advocate here, do, do you see a reason why they haven't done that? I mean, is, are there reasons that that it would be that they've delayed the process in Hawaii? The people want it, so it depends on how you look at it. But I can tell you right now, by popular opinion, it should have gone recreational already. There are certain people in charge um, that don't support recreational. The governor has come out and flat out said that he does not support recreational. So, you know, it's pretty hard to get a bill, a bill to move through the ledge, you know, if, if the governor is going to veto it at the very end of the finish line. So it really prevents the topic from uh, being discussed and it kind of stops it dead in its tracks. And I, and I hope that um, if anything good comes from this situation with COVID-19, that this might be one of those things. Yeah, I think you're right. Dylan, there's some, there are some uh, government officials in Hawaii who have said that making recreational legal will be a threat to the medical cannabis dispensary system in the state. You'd be one to know yes or no with that. What is your thought on that? That's a that's a really interesting question um, because we've seen other states. I mean, first of all, we're not writing the uh, we're not you know we're not we would not be the first state to go recreational from being medical. So you can look at what state other states have done and see what's worked and what hasn't worked before you make any kind of decision on how you're going to write this recreational law. But you know, there's certain states like like Washington that unfortunately, when they did come out with the recreational law, they really left patients on the sidelines and they put patients and recreational users in the same category and they were fighting for the same medicine and the prices all went up for the medical patients because now they have recreational tax. So I think you have to look at states like um, Nevada or Oregon and certain states like that where they have a dual use. I think a dual use is a um, requirement for going recreational. I, I think that if you're not careful, the medical patients can be left behind. So it is something that has to be considered when writing this law. On the other hand, if you do that, and I'm understanding you correctly, that there'll be less taxes on the medical, then won't people try to get medical um, licenses and to circumvent the taxes on recreational? Good question. Um, in dual use states, we don't really see that. So even though you get a 10% discount or 15% discount in Oregon or whatever it is, depending on dispensary, you don't really see that this all of a sudden the medical patient cards are just skyrocketing because people are trying to get a better deal. I think that people realize, um, I like to think that, you know, 
people are cons- considerate of other people's medical needs. And maybe that, you know, getting a medical card when you don't need one isn't the right thing to do when you can just walk down and get recreational cannabis. So I, I like to think that people do the right thing and um, that wouldn't happen. I think sometimes you're right and sometimes you're wrong. <laughs> life, that's life. <laughs> okay, let's take a quick break from the conversation here so we can plug our website and some affiliates, but we're gonna be right back to pick up the conversation. All right, we have to mention that we do get a small commission from the companies we endorse, but it's at no cost to you guys. We wouldn't endorse any company or product that we don't truly believe in. So we just launched on HawaiianTimePodcast.com, and we're pretty excited about it. I've been using Bluehost for many years, hosting other websites I build, and I've been really happy with them. Good service and... uh, You always get through. We use Printful and WooCommerce to make and sell our merch, and we use Blueberry to host our podcast. And right now, you can get your first month of hosting free with Blueberry by using our promo code, HawaiianTime. One word, HawaiianTime. Or just click on Blueberry on our website, and when you check out, you'll see that you get your first month for free. We have some good merch there, too. T-shirts, stickers, slippers, and more. On HawaiianTimePodcast.com. Okay, close enough. (laughs) (laughs) On this episode, we're speaking with Dylan Shropshire, founder, partner, and COO of Big Island Grown Dispensaries. You can learn more about Dylan on our website, on HawaiianTimePodcast.com. We'll share some links there in the show notes. Let's rejoin the conversation. Right now, we are a very vertical license, and I'll kind of just go back to Applying to this license, when we applied, we were one of 56 applications. And uh, there was a team, I mean, Woody, uh, Woody Harrelson had a team. You know, there, there was some really big players, well-known names um, that unfortunately didn't win a license. And it was a very competitive license to win. And I think that the state did a good job of really picking local teams. I think it's one thing that really stood out. Um, and so I'm happy about that. But one of the things that unfortunately happened with the license program, there's goods and bads, right? And the bad is that there are home growers that are not able to sell what they've been working on, what they've been, what their, their generations of growing cannabis in Pune or in different parts of the big Island. And they're not able to actually showcase these. We're not able to showcase these growers and get their medicine to patients on the big Island with the current dispensary system other than a uh, caregiver's type situation. So I think that with recreational, that will also allow for more licenses or the purchase of home grower cannabis and to be sold in the dispensaries or some variation of that. And I can speak on behalf of our company and we welcome that because at the end of the day, you know, again, there's a lot of really good cannabis growers on the Big Island. And it's unfortunate that they're not able to showcase what they've been working on for generations. Dylan, a couple of years ago when the uh, historic eruption was happening down here in Pune, you know, Mick and Bruce, they're flying over it daily and reporting on it. And there were uh, some smaller operations. There were people who had uh, greenhouses, were growing marijuana, and they refused to leave even as lava was encroaching. They were afraid, I think, that you know, they were going to lose their plants either uh, not by lava, but from theft. And so how does that work? You know, how are these smaller operations working down in the Puna and other places on the Big Island? I know of so many different types of operations and sizes, and everyone does them a little bit different. There's, you know, some patients that just grow a plant. You know, they're growing literally one plant, you know, in their closet or outside, and that's all they need. Um, other than a few cuttings to just keep doing it over and over again. And there's, there are some collectives or uh, groups of caregivers that have kind of formed and they have a little bit of a larger grow facility where they are basically growing cannabis for patients. And so there's a, there's a wide range on home growers and size and what they're doing. Um, but I would say if they were protecting their plants, it's probably because they have prized genetics that they've been working on for, again, generations. And there's no replacing that time that it took to develop that medicinal plant. You just can't do it. Once you lose the cutting, once you lose the mother, it's gone. Wow. For those of us 
like myself and people who aren't familiar with the history in Hawaii and on the big island in Puna. Uh, Mick, you were talking a little bit about it to me the other day. Um, you've been here for what, Mick, 35 years and you, you first lived down here in Leilani. Like, what was it like back then, late 70s, early 80s? Well, I, you know, I didn't get here till the early 80s. And by the time I came here, it was starting to wind down a bit. Um, Annie knows more about it than I do because she lived here through the 70s. But um, in, the, in the mid-80s, early 80s, uh, this was kind of the wild, wild west. And uh, people were making, uh, growing a lot of pot, making a lot of money, uh, shipping uh, pot out of here all different ways, right through, straight out of the post office, some of them, a lot of them. And um, there was a lot of cash floating through this community. People were buying cars with cash. They were, you know, ev everything was financed through that industry. And when uh, Green Harvest started, Green Harvest was uh, the Fed's way of, of eradicating pot. Um, and they flew helicopters and they, and they uh, actually ended up using the RICO Act and, and uh absconded with people's property and, you know, seized people's cars and houses, and uh, it got really ugly. But um, they really destroyed the economy out here. And, you know, different points of view as to whether that should have happened or not. But the, the fact of the matter is it made marijuana so difficult to get that other drugs began to take over. You know, heroin and meth became prevalent here, and it got really ugly. But, you know, prior to my coming here, um, Annie can speak to that. It was uh, it was a pot economy, you know. It was just it was wide open, right, Annie? Yeah. Um, I started off going to the University of Hawaii at Hilo here, and uh, everyone seemed to be in the Department of Agriculture, and uh, <laughs> uh, it was big. I mean, it was like you. So, what are you gonna? You know, we're gonna grow anthuriums, uh, but yet <laughs> I know of some major businesses in Hilo, and that was their start. They came in and uh, started with uh, pot growing, and there, it went out through the community. There were trimmers. There were, you know, a lot of people employed by it, and there was a lot of cash. At one point, um, I had a gallery in downtown Hilo, and we had, it was not unusual for people to come in and peel off thousands of dollars to buy artwork and, and uh, things like that. So it was um, a big part of the community. And uh, green green harvest, um, you know, definitely impacted. There were impacts of you know off island um, groups that would come in to try and infiltrate different patches and stuff of people growing. It was a little bit of the wild wild west um, at the time I was living out in Mountain View and Fern Acres, but um, you know, it was sad to see other drugs take over when pot was pushed down. You know, there were de uh, heroin issues uh, and uses of, when when I worked for the downtown improvement, the Main Street program, and Pahoa started their Main Street program, their number one issue was getting needles off the streets um, that were basically trash on their streets, needles on their streets. So, you know, I would have much rather have seen what I remember to be the streets of Pahoa where everyone was growing upstairs in these old buildings and you'd walk through town and just get high off of the fumes. <laughs> um, but it was, uh, um, and we were known, you know, Puna and the Big Island were known for, for some good stash. Doesn't sound as, as good a stash as what Dylan's got going, but um, <laughs> it took care of us. I have to say that the whole scene has changed. You know, the way the way um, the pot thing has morphed and grown into something completely different. When we were, I'm a boomer. You know, I come from the generation that, you know, Woodstock and all that. And as we grew up, we, we saw pot as, as a fun thing to do and a, and a positive thing to do. And we saw the benefits of it, you know. Um, I'm not going to argue the pros and cons, but you know, we we kind of put it out into the into the community, into the world, as being a cool thing and something. New. And we we got we butted heads with a lot of people over the thing, and the whole thing became a fight over you know who who could be right and who could be wrong, whether we could get this um, the community to accept it, and 
the way it's happened now with, with Dylan, with med- medical marijuana, my hats are off to you guys as to the way that you approach this and the way that it's happened. You know, now it's respectable. And it's really a cool thing that's happened. And it was something that our generation was never able to do. We, we just, we didn't know how to do that. It didn't happen for us that way. But the way it's happening now is right on. You know, it's spot on. You guys are doing a great job. And I, I'm really, I'm really impressed with that. Thank you. You know, funny thing is, Hawaii was one of the first states to legalize medical marijuana, but there was never a, a legal source of medicine for patients. So seeds and, and product had to have um, come from some illegal source, which was kind of ironic. Um, I, I've had a couple of friends who were terminally ill with cancer, and they weren't able to... Um, you know, legally get uh, uh, medicine. So, yeah, that was kind of sad. So I'm glad that the state kind of uh, have changed things and made it possible for you guys to exist. Absolutely. Now we just got to get it recreational. I think it said something when my 90-year-old mother said, when are they going to legalize marijuana? (laughs) Definitely made me turn my head. But, you know, that's the basic thing. When are they? Well, I think Dylan makes a good point with, uh, you know, the COVID-19 thing. And, and you know, you see that, uh, I, I gather from what you were saying, Dylan, you see that as a, a federal thing as well as a Hawaii thing, right? That that would be good for the country as well. Uh, yes, it would be. I mean, you know, right now there's a lot of, you know, overturning of convictions uh, for um, possession, especially. And I think that's the first step is to get all these people out of prison that were arrested for having a flower in their pocket. It's ludicrous considering what's happening across the country right now. Sure. I'm sure you're, you're well aware of the story of uh, Roger Christie and, and everything that went down down there and those guys getting thrown in jail for a long time. There, there have been some real, real uh, unfair things that have happened behind the attempt to legalize marijuana and the attempts of some people to bring it to the attention of other people that it's a good thing and not a bad thing. Yeah, I, uh, Roger's a friend and uh, a pioneer. And, you know, I, I always thank him whenever I see him for paving the way. If it wasn't for people like Roger, you know, there wouldn't, we wouldn't be here right now. Who is Roger and what's his story? Roger Christie started a uh, cannabis church in Hilo. And uh, he was... Uh, uh, basically using cannabis as a religious sacrament. And he would basically have different people that would come practice uh, cannabis and their religion in Hilo. And eventually the feds came in and, and ended that. And they shut it down. Um, he was trying to use the uh, Constitution to allow for um, the religious use for cannabis. And Mick, I don't know if you want to add anything in there. Well, you know, I know Roger. I've known Roger for years, and I, I'm, um, I, just like you do, I give him credit for what he did in furthering the cause. But you know, the the way again, he's a member of my generation, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, it was it was a little bit too much in people's faces. I think. Yes. You know, he, he pushed the envelope a little bit too hard, and he was not. And by design, he was not discreet about it, you know. And I, I get what he was trying to do, but, you know, he paid the price for what he did, and, and it was not a fair price, just like a lot of people. There's many, many people that are in jail today over ridiculous uh, marijuana charges. And so, you know, he's just one example. But, um, you know, I get, like you said, that he's a pioneer, and that's how, how people things had to evolve. And hopefully they'll overturn a lot of those convictions now. Hey, Bruce, can I jump in and ask you, you're born, born and raised in Hilo. Um, did yeah. you have a relationship with marijuana as a, as a young man? Uh, <laughs> what's your, how does this Yeah, start? Bruce. <laughs> yeah, Bruce, tell us about that. <laughs> well, I was, yeah, I was kind of in love with Mary Jane. Now, <laughs> 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 uh, you know, um, I'm asthmatic, so I don't smoke. But, um, you know, when I first saw the cannabis plant, I mean, it was 
so beautiful, you know, to me. And um, so I had this fascination, which uh, became an obsession, just like lava. <laughs> but my friends and I, we would grow pakololo in the cane fields, and then people started ripping us off. And, um, and they're planting booby traps and everything, and uh, it got pretty risky. So one day I had this talk with my mom <laughs> and kind of told her what I was doing. And, uh, oh boy, she was so disappointed. But, you know, I, I just kind of told her that it, it wasn't about getting high for me. You know, I just loved the plant. Then she was quiet for a little while. And then she said, oh, you know what? We're not using the greenhouse in the back. Why don't you grow some here? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I ended up growing in our in my parents' backyard in their greenhouse. And um, talk about green harvest. One day I had a crop of probably about 150 um, bacalola plants. And they're all, you know, between six to eight feet tall. And uh, I'd come home from school. I was having a snack in the kitchen. I was looking out uh, our kitchen window and saw these green harvest helicopters flying. And, uh, you know, they usually go out the, up the coast and come back and head back to Hilo. Well, this day, they, they're coming back, flying toward Hilo, and then they, they kind of stopped. And then they started making a beeline to, to our house. And uh, so they came up over our street. They circled my parents' backyard, and here I am peeking out from under the house, you know, and checking out what they're doing. And I'm thinking, you know, they, they had just enacted that law about, um, uh, along with the plants they confiscate, they can um, uh, take possession of your property, personal property. So here I am thinking, man, they're going to throw me in jail, and they're going to take my mom and dad's house away. So I was so sad. So I ran out in the, in the greenhouse and I pulled every single plant out, threw it down the ravine in the back, and that was the last time I ever grew. <laughs> but, but ever since, I've been wanting to shoot it, you know? So with um, That's so sad, the grow really. operations. <laughs> it, it is. That is so sad. <laughs> So they uh, never came uh, after you, Bruce? They never showed up at your doorstep? No, I, I pulled out all the plants and I, I actually sat on our front stairs waiting for the cops to show up. <laughs> and they never came. <laughs> so, yeah. But, uh, oh, man. Yeah, that, that was kind of an experience. But yeah, so Dylan, I'm glad that uh, I've got a, got a place I can go to shoot and uh, to my heart's content, you know? <laughs> You can come anytime, Bruce. Anytime you want. <laughs> Building's open. You've got the, yeah, you've got the most amazing facility, and uh, the, the the plants that you guys grow are shucks. So beautiful, man. I just love shooting them. I can spend hours there, just like I did last week. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Like I think there's for some people there's still a stigma with pot, and when they think of a dispensary. They don't exactly know what to expect, but Bruce, you walked in, you saw um, Big Island Grown Dispensary. What was your first impression and, you know, what's kind of the culture there, the company culture? Yeah, you know, I was so impressed with the facility. Um, everything is, for one thing, is very secure. Uh, you know, fences and cameras all over the place and key cards to navigate through the facility. So um, there's always somebody watching you. There, there's a way to track you wherever you're at. But the growing of the, the cannabis is, uh, has gone so far from what we did as kids, you know. Uh, and everything is down to a science, and it's just so impressive. And uh, yeah, hats off to you, Dylan. I mean, it, it's quite an operation. And I also got to mention that um, I've never been in a workplace where everybody was so happy. 
(laughs) (laughs) Your workers are always singing and smiling and, you know, I mean, I've never seen uh, a happier bunch of people. But they're not high, right, Dylan? (laughs) No, we don't don't allow that at the workplace. (laughs) I mean, I know when I walk into a Starbucks and the caffeine is in the air, it's so thick that it gets me. I mean, do you get that same high even just being there? You know, there's one thing about cannabis that most people don't realize. It's kind of interesting, not to digress, but, you know, there's over 100 different uh, unique cannabinoids inside the cannabis plant. And obviously the most uh, popular or well-known one is THC and now CBD as well. But the precursor to THC is THCA or THCA acid. And that's actually what's present in plants being grown um, until you decarboxylate the actual medicine. And decarboxylation is heating the plant material up to a certain level of temperature, and then that will convert the THC acid to THC and then get you high. So if you actually go and just start eating buds off of a plant or smelling it in the air, you're actually just going to be consuming THCA. You're going to be smelling the terpenes. Um, so, again, you can go eat as much raw weed as you want until you actually <laughs> smoke it uh, or turn it into brownies. Because, I mean, of course, you have, you've had, we've all had brownies, I'm assuming. And what happens there is you're basically you're cooking the cannabis. So you're, you're decarboxylating the uh, THC acid to THC. I love that. So let's go get decomboxic- decomboxicated. I can't even say it. De- Decarboxylate. Decarboxylate. Decarboxylated, yeah. That's, that's what would you let Dylan say. That would be smoking it too, right? Yeah, so when you're smoking it, you know, you're heating up with a lighter and it's decarboxylating yeah. in your bowl or your bong or whatever uh, or your joint, and it's converting it basically in real time as you're inhaling it. Um, another thing that's interesting is, you know, there's these cannabinoids, you know, there's hundred various ones. First of all, they're discovering new ones all the time. They just discovered two new ones. Uh, there's a, there's another type of THC that's actually 30 times more potent. So it's a minor cannabinoid that was just recently discovered. Same with a, a minor uh, CBD cannabinoid that's 30 times more potent for CBD. And so that's, again, what I think we're going to see with the cannabis industry and this evolution um, through breeding is we're going to start seeing breeding of these minor cannabinoids. And it's just what this amazing plant, you know, it, it has these, it has terpenes, you know, what you find in fruit. Uh, you know, there's like lemonine, which is present in most sativa strains. It gives you the up, up feel, right? The like daytime kind of uh, energetic high. And it's, it's, present in lemons. It's lemonine, you know, it's the smell of lemons. So there's, there's hundreds of terpenes that are present in the cannabis plant and all of them have, uh, you know, an entourage effect as they connect with each other. And so you have these cannabinoids and you have these terpenes and flavonoids and there, there's a synergistic effect or the entourage effect is what it's called. And these different smaller amounts produce different effects, which is why, you know, cannabis tastes between strains. So, you know, the, the taste varies so much and the effects vary so much and also the medicinal effects. And that's why it's so important to start, you know, really getting proper scientific research of cannabis um, like they've been doing in Israel for a long time. You know, one thing that we've really failed on in America um, is... We're on the forefront of cannabis now. When you think about cannabis, you don't think about Amsterdam. When I was a kid, that's what we thought about. Amsterdam, <laughs> and I don't know if you've been to Amsterdam. I have a few times. It's a great place. But if you go there now compared to Colorado, it's pretty eye-opening. We are now at the forefront of cannabis in the world. And we have an opportunity to be at the forefront of cannabis research. And the only reason we're not is because the federal system will not allow it. And that needs to change. Absolutely. You know, you know, Dylan, and I say this only joking, only partially jokingly, do we now have or will we have connoisseurs of marijuana like sommeliers of wine who will, you know, discuss the intricate 
flavors and lemony and woody and earthy tones of a particular pot strain <laughs> like they do about Cabernet Sauvignon or Pinot Noir or whatever, you know? Is that, is that ridiculous or is that something that really, you know, they don't actually smoke it. They kind of take it in their mouth and, and spit it out again into a bucket, you know? His name is Willie Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, there, is, there is something to that, isn't there? Yeah, that's not ridiculous at all. In fact, there are already people filling that position right now. And uh, it's quite amazing what uh, minor tastes they can realize when they're consuming. So what they'll do instead of like, you know, how uh, uh, Master Sommelier will just, you know, take a sip and spit it back in and really get the essence. It's the same thing um, with these cannabis tasters. And they'll basically, you know, just one one puff of a joint, smell it. You know, they, you know, they don't really consume the whole thing or they wouldn't be, really, wouldn't be rating very many uh, strains <laughs> pretty quick. One time done. You guys know, of course, what they call a stoner that has two spleefs, right? Double jointed. <laughs> okay. Right on point, Mick. On joint. Well, I'm just trying here. You know, I'll be here all week. <laughs> hey, Dylan. So I, I hear that you can find components of the cannabis plant in other things um, that are non-cannabis. Um, is that true? That's totally true. And, uh, you know, I mentioned the terpenes earlier. Um, you know, terpenes are naturally occurring in fruits and, and different types of uh, uh, nat natural plants. Um, and essentially, they're essential oils. But what's really interesting is you can find uh, cannabinoids in very interesting places. And one of the interesting places is a natural uh, derived cannabinoid produced from our own uh, body, from our mother's breast milk. And it's, it's a really uh, an interesting thing because uh, when a mother is producing um, milk, there are um, in, endogenous uh, cannabinoids present in the milk. And mm. it's one of those things where you start to look a little deeper oh. into the plant and you start to realize you know, we have this receptor system in our body and they don't teach you this in medical school. They're now starting to, they're now starting classes and education for uh, students uh, in the medical industry. But we have a system uh, in our body, a receptor system called the endocannabinoid system or ECS for short. And what that does is we have, you know, we receptors in our liver all throughout our brain, all these different places and what cannabis is doing is actually um, uh, touching those different receptors, receptors. So there's CB1 and CB2, and different cannabinoids affect each receptor differently. And what's interesting is if you're not consuming cannabis, even at a raw level, not to get high, but just from a nutritional standpoint, if you're not consuming cannabis, you're really not fulfilling what your endocannabinoid system needs. Um, and if you're fulfilling it, you're reaching homeostasis. Mm. So that's why cannabis is, you know, and we still don't understand everything. We don't understand all these, you know, inter intricate de details about how this system works. But what we do know is all these receptors affect us in a different way. And if we're fulfilling that from a nutritional standpoint, we're reaching homeostasis. And that's why cannabis helps with so many different ailments. Wow, interesting. We're going to call him Dr. Dillon. Wow, Dr. Dillon, write me a prescription. <laughs> I'm just a Dr. Shropshire. <laughs> hey, we need to come up with a secret sweepstakes word for this podcast as we're doing for each podcast because we're having a contest on our website on hawaiantimepodcast.com. If you enter that contest, um, there, there will be one winner who will get a $100 Amazon.com e-gift card if your country participates with Amazon e-gift cards. But uh, I think a good word for this episode would be pakalolo. Oh, I was kind of thinking about Dylan's word, carbonabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolabolab
So you can go to our website. Uh, it's bigislandgrown.co or .co. Um, you can also go to my website, which is just my first and last name, dylanshropshire.com. And uh, I have information linking to Big Island Grown and also the other stuff, crazy stuff I'm working on, like my cafe and hemp projects and all other stuff like that. So That's Vibe Cafe, correct? That is Vibe Cafe, yes. Hey, can I say one more thing? Absolutely. Dylan, um, one of my dear friends was terminally ill with cancer, and he was really suffering. Um, The medication, the pain meds that the docs were prescribing were not doing the job for him, just made him feel so uncomfortable. So... I convinced him to to try to give medical cannabis a try. And he's been anti-drugs all his life, straight as an arrow. So he really was reluctant to. And um, But after much discussion um, with him, uh, he finally decided to give it a shot. And cannabis, cannabis gave him comfort in the last months of his life. So thanks for what you do. Uh, I know a lot of people, you know, think it's just about getting high and stuff, but, you know, the medical benefits to cannabis are amazing. And uh, so I really appreciate what you do. Absolutely. Stories like that, you know, those are the reasons I work so hard, period. Thanks, Dylan. Thanks for joining us, Dylan. Thanks, Thank you, Dylan. guys. Take care. Thanks, guys. Bye. Okay, you guys, now I want to get stoned. (laughs) Okay, guys, so that's going to do it for this podcast episode. But uh, before we go, we need a favor from you. Right. We need you to go to our website on hawaiantimepodcast.com and click on the contest link. We're giving you a chance to win a $100 Amazon.com e-gift card. You can enter once or you can enter up to eight times. You can enter by subscribing, you can go to our social media sites, or you can enter those secret words. We say one in each episode. In this episode, the secret word was Pacolo. Have another somebody somebody help me out here. Billy, he's stoned. I know he's stoned. Somebody (laughs) help me out here. What is the word? Pacolo. How do you spell Uh, it? P a k a l o l o. All right, you got it from the you got it from the people who know (laughs) Pacolo. Well, this is still kind of an experiment. We'll leave it up to you guys to decide if it becomes an ongoing series. But we can't do it without you, you know. You guys got to spread the word. So visit our website where we have a lot of merchandise you can pick up. We've got mugs, T-shirts, slippers, and more. No joints, but you can get a lot of fun stuff there. <laughs> on hawaiantimepodcast.com. A big mahalo goes out to our logo designer, Joel Marcus of M Inc. And Jamie Colazzo of Silver Line Sound, who mixes our podcast. Whatever podcast platform you're listening on, please subscribe if you haven't already. Give us a review and rate us. That will really help us get noticed and you can single-handedly help us out. I'm Mick Calber. I'm Bruce Samari. I'm Ann Calber. And I'm Tim Coakley. And you've been on Hawaiian Hawaiian Time. Time. Aloha. 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 Aloha, everybody.